Good morning, West Bowles. My name is Reg Cox, as Thomas introduced me, and my wife, Amy, and my daughter, Faith Ann, are here with me this morning. We're glad to be at West Bowles. Um, we just live just a few blocks away. Uh, our ministry has been in Lakewood for, uh, for a long time, and I pastor a church there and now lead a nonprofit called Lakewood Connects. And as Thomas mentioned, and as we talked about last year in your neighboring series, we're working to link together uh, churches with nonprofits, city government, county government, schools, and just saw uh, one of your members, Ed Lohr, who I work with all the time, Lakewood PD. Uh, God, in this generation and time, is bringing the people of God together with the world in unique ways. There are tremendous opportunities. This church is in the middle of the opportunities of God. Amen. Don't you want to be a part of the opportunities of God? Uh, so this morning, that song that we just sang was really captivating for me, and it's going to have special significance to all of us in just a few moments as we unwrap the Word of God. Um, there was a line in that song that really ministered to me. I will rest in your faithfulness. So the word rest, if you're not feeling rested, then you are not resting and so either you rest in the faithfulness, you can't just say it, you got to become it. Because tomorrow is work, and pretty soon is school, and the challenges and the pressures of this world, it will be obvious if there is a people who can rest in the faithfulness of God. Because the rest of the world is freaking out. Your neighbors are flipping out. They're screaming at each other. They're throwing pots and pans. And there's a call for the people of God to do more than to show up to church, but to bring the truth of the promises of God into the middle of the problems of our world. And so to equip us with that, we're going to spend some time in God's Word this morning, and we're going to be looking at Lucky 13. Now, Thomas was giving me a hard time about my PowerPoint. He goes, Reg, no pictures, just a bunch of words. Well, we're going to go old school this morning. We're just going to kind of go into Scripture and do a Bible study. And we're going to let God's Word open up our minds so that we see through God's Word and we interpret all of our reality. And we are motivated and captivated in God's Word. And so our imaginations are shaped by Him. So that's where we're going to be this morning in God's Word. Recently, uh, my family was traveling and I had an experience that only those who were older here this morning can truly understand. Uh, we were in the, in the city where I used to work, and I ran into a former co-worker. It's a woman who's about 30 years my junior. And we worked together 15, 20 years ago. And when she saw me, she got real excited. And this is what she said. Reg, you haven't changed a bit. Now, when you're old, haven't changed a bit really means you're just as ugly as I remember you being 15 years ago. Wow, you haven't changed a bit. That, that statement got me to thinking. Uh, it, it's a question that I want to ask myself and that we're going to use to frame our scripture, our study this morning. Um, what, is, what is God's ideal state? for faith followers? What is God's desire for our lives? What situation in life 
does God have in mind for all of us? Does God prefer that we experience peace or progress? Does God want us to become comfortable or conformed to the image of Christ? Is God is God's aim for us to become satisfied or servants? My contention, my argument with you this morning, our study is going to be aimed at this point. God's ideal state for us is change, transformation, becoming. The worst insult a Christian could ever receive is, wow, you haven't changed a bit. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be changed by you. We can't change anyone. We can't serve anyone. We can't bring anything good into a dark and broken world unless you first change us. So we're going to apply ourselves to your word this morning. And we pray that your word would do something that only your word could do. Reveal yourself powerfully in your word so that we become changed and new and different people. Open up your word to us this morning and change us, Father, we pray. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So to get us ready, uh, let's, let's begin our study this morning in Genesis chapter 12. Now, Genesis 12 is the anchor promise for all of Scripture. We're just saying about God's promises. And you root all those promises back here. This is the anchor of God's promise in Scripture. So Genesis 12, beginning of verse 1. Uh, God speaking to Abram, Abraham, our faith father. I'll be reading from the New Living Version this morning. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. If you want to wrestle with any challenge you face in life, you need to come back and anchor yourself in what God's promise is. I'm going to change you. I'm going to, I'm going to do something in you so that I can do something through you. I'm going, to, I'm going to do something in you so I can do something through you. God's mission for Abram is outlined here, and he says, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to send you out as a wanderer. And so God, uh, God instructs Abram to leave but just like in the case of many of your decisions to follow God, God's specific instructions are a little unclear. Just uh, you go that away, and I'll let you know when you get there. It's a little unsettling, isn't it? Start this business, move to this new city, start this new job, uh, take off into this new relationship. I'll let you know when you get there. Just leave, be displaced, become a wanderer. Are you familiar with being displaced? Have, has anyone ever used the phrase, we're outsourcing your job now? Are you familiar with being moved on? God calls us to leave our plans, 
Leave our possessions. Leave our passions so that we can pursue God's plans, God's path, God's promise. You see, God's greater plans for Abram's life required change, transition, movement, struggle. Did you hear me this morning? God's greater plans for Abram's life. Don't you want God's greater plans to work through your life? The reason you were born, are you living in that reason now? God's greater plans require change, transition, struggle. God's promise requires God's people to follow God's plan and trust God's power. So 600 years later, Genesis chapter 12, we fast forward to Exodus chapter 1. 600 years later, the the ancestors of Abraham are living as slaves in Egypt. 600 years of waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled. Every night around fires in the camp, in the slave camps of Egypt, fathers would tell children, let me tell you who we are. We are going to become a people one of these days. There's going to be a promised land. God's going to make a nation out of us. This promise was the only identity these slaves had 600 years later. So Exodus chapter 1, verse 6. Read with me if you have your Bibles. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than us. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from our country. Verse 11, so the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Python and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. So as we begin this story, God's people, God's people start this story as slaves. So for 400 years, God's people had been trained to think and to act like slaves. Think about that for a minute. For 400 years, your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, you've been thought, your, your thought process is you are a slave. That's who you are. Your identity, your dreams are all about your slavery. When you look at Exodus, One of the seminal stories of all of our faith history, this journey, the wilderness, getting free from slavery, the real real story in Exodus isn't the freeing of Israel from slavery. The real story in Exodus isn't how a bunch of slaves 
conquered the mighty nation of Israel. The real story in Exodus is how God changes the character, the mindset, the identity of a people, broke them out of thinking like a slave so they can think and act like conquerors. That's the real story. That's an an unbelievable story here in Exodus. In order to do this transformation of the mindset to break free from slave thinking, God raises up and changes a man named Moses. Uh, God raises him up. Uh, This man Moses calls him in a burning bush and raises him to confront Pharaoh, the mighty Egyptian ruler. Moses had been born a slave but raised as an emperor, as a priest of Egypt. Miracles occur as Moses speaks to and warns Pharaoh and and Egypt is brought to its knees through a series of miracles. After, After some period of time of struggle, it's time for Israel to leave. Israel leaves Egypt. The Red Sea splits in front of them. I know you've seen the movie, Cecil B. DeMille, Charlton Heston, who obviously looks a lot like me. And the Israelites walk through the Red Sea and God leads them to Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai, they camp around this mountain and they receive the Ten Commandments. The foundation of all law, culture, and human values are given to God's people. It's now been two years since Israel left Egypt. Up to now, God has done everything for his people. He he raises up a leader. He sets them free. He's taught them how to live. But after Mount Sinai, God has something very different in mind for his people. And it's a geographic location. It's a place called Kadesh Barnea. You see, in order to change our character, in order to transform us into new people, it requires special conditions, special environments, Special experiences. The word wilderness means something to many of you here this morning. A lost job. The word cancer. A funeral. The wilderness is a hard place. It forges the mind and the heart of those that pass through the wilderness. You do not exit the wilderness the same person that you were when you entered it. Here's a fact we have to wrestle with here this morning. If we want to change the world, if we want to be a light on a hill, if we want to be salt, if we want to bring a message that matters, if we want to bring meaning to a meaningless world, here's a fact You can't claim the promise of God until you stop thinking and acting like a slave. You can't embody a promise. You can't teach a promise with power until you break away from the slave thinking of the world that we live in today. So that brings us to the book of Numbers in this series on Numbers. And we're going to read from Numbers chapter 10 beginning in verse 1. Numbers 10, verse 11, I'm sorry. In the second year after Israel's departure from Egypt, on the 20th day of the second month, 
a cloud lifted from the tabernacle of the covenant. So the Israelites set out from the wilderness of Sinai and traveled on from place to place until the cloud stopped in the wilderness of Paran. Verse 13. When the people set out for the first time following the instructions of Moses. This is very important. Set out for the very first time. This is the first time the people are making a decision. They're making a choice on their own. We're going to choose to follow God for the first time. You see, when, when Israel left Egypt two years earlier, they would have followed anyone anywhere to get out of slavery. They weren't necessarily following God as much as they were leaving Egypt. That may be true in your life today. You may be sitting in church. You may have professed Jesus Christ. You may have got baptized, but it might have been less about following God than it was getting out of the damage and the destruction of your life. So God, God leads these people to a special place. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. Numbers 13, lucky 13. It's the number that we're focusing on in this study today. Numbers 13, verse 1. The Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Cana, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. So imagine the setting. For 600 years, they've been waiting for the promises of God to come true. They're now literally camped. They can see the promise. The promise is right in front of them. But there's going to be a battle for the promises. They left Egypt, and now in order to conquer and claim their promise, they're going to have to take on seven nations at the same time. It's going to be an incredible battle, a life and death struggle for the promises of God. And so Moses selects leaders. These are leaders. These are men who've seen the promises of God. They experienced slavery. They saw the miracles that set them free. They saw the nation of, Israel, uh, nation of Egypt brought to its knees. They traveled. They saw Mount Sinai. They saw God come on Mount Sinai. They saw the Ten Commandments delivered. They've been there. They've experienced it. And these leaders are sent in to spy the land. Get ready. We're going to get ready to claim the promise we've been waiting for for 600 years. The exact location where all this is taking place is called Kadesh Barnea. It's an oasis in the Negev Desert. It's still there today. It's on the southern end of what you and I would identify on the map as Israel. Kadesh Barnea sits there at the edge of this desert. Another name for Kadesh Barnea is In Mishpat. In Mishpat, loosely translated, it's mentioned in Genesis 14. In Mishpat, loosely translated as spring of decision or oasis of decision. For thousands of years, Kadesh Barnea has been a holy place. And people came to this oasis for one reason. They came here to make up their mind and to make a choice, make a decision. And the choices they were made, making were holy decisions, spiritual decisions. They were faced with an audacious challenge. And the decision they made was, am I going to trust God? Man, this is tough. I don't know if I can do it, brother. So you came to Kadesh. Am I going to follow God? 
Am I going to take this step? I don't know if I can do it. Do I believe God's promises? Or do I believe what I can see with my eyes and touch with my hands? What's going to have more power over us? Promises of God or the words and the actions of men? What defines us as a people? So 12 spies leave Kadesh Barnea and enter the promised land and check it out for 40 days. Numbers 13, verse 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they'd seen and showed them the fruit they'd taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. I put Numbers 13, the number five most discouraging chapter in the entire Bible, right behind the four accounts in the gospel of the crucifixion of Jesus. Are you kidding me? 600 years waiting on a promise? And these guys are the ones we choose to go to the promised land? They totally blow it. They blew it because they approached this faith challenge thinking like a slave instead of thinking like one armed with the promises of God. You see, a slave, a slave always focuses on the strength of the enemy instead of on the power of God. A slave, slave thinking is always more impressed with the chances for our failure than with God's plans for a miracle. A little bit later in Numbers 13, verse 32, they continue their report. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Whenever you start imagining what you think your enemy is thinking about you, you are done. You are toast. They said, we felt like grasshoppers. That right there is the turning point. That's the moment they gave away the promises of God. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is there a challenge in your life right now? Is there an obstacle? Is there a stretch goal? Is there something you're wrestling with right now? What challenge is God leading you to right now in your life that's designed to change and transform your mind and your heart? What what problem do you face this week that's really a gift from God because only as you face that problem down will he be able to increase your capacity to trust him and trust 
him alone? What are you facing right now that's impossible to get out of without being changed, radically changed? Numbers 14, verse 1. Then the whole community began weeping aloud. They cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better if we just returned to Egypt? And then they plotted amongst themselves, let's choose a new leader and let's go back to Egypt. There will always be those who are ready to lead you back to Egypt. Man, do you remember back in 87? Man, if, if, we could just, if it could just be like it was in 87, man, that was, it was really great in 87. Back in 2002, man, I mean, it, that was, boy, that was, I was awesome. I mean, it was magic. You should have been there, Thomas. I mean, I know you were just a little baby then, but I mean, you should have been there. I mean, there's a place in your heart right now. It's well hidden. A buried wound. A lost dream. It's a place in your heart where trust in God has never really matured. So when doubts arise, when that faith path gets difficult, when the challenge to change is hard, Something inside of you wants to look back longingly to Egypt. Friends, there is nothing for you back in Egypt. Egypt was only slavery. Stay focused on the promise. You're the people of promise. Your, your future is who you are. Your identity is in the power of God moving in the days to come. You're the people of promise, not the people of the past. You're defined by the destination you are on. You're on a caravan. We're leaving it all behind because the promise is before us. So after this failure, God sent Israel into the wilderness for 40 years, but it wasn't aimless wandering. God sent them on the path of transformation. I mean, think about it. Within 40 years, the mindset, the heart, all the slavery was driven out of who they were. And they walked across the Jordan River ready to conquer. The kingdom of God is advancing in such people today. What is God's ideal state for faith followers? God's ideal state Leave your plans. Leave your possessions. Leave your passions. So that you can pursue God's plans. God's path. God's promise. God's promise requires God's people to follow God's plan. 
and trust God's promise with all their heart. What's God using to change you right now? That thorn, that struggle, that thing that makes you lay awake at night. God's not trying to make you comfortable. He's trying to conform you to the image of his son. Your current struggle proves God is not willing to leave you in the place where he's found you. It's time to change. So here this morning, we're hunkered down at Kadesh Barnea. And as the moon rises over the oasis and the desert breeze blows the date trees and the palm trees, it's time to make a choice. Are you or are you not going to claim your rightful place as the conquerors of this world? Your destiny is to impact change. That's who you are. Claim this promise today. Lord, we just pray that this word today, this message, changes us and moves us. We want to claim, we want to step in to your greater calling. This church, its leaders. Lord, even right now, there's some folks in this auditorium sitting here right now. And there are secrets, there are burdens, there are addictions, there's brokenness that they need to not take with them out of this building. Man, Lord, please change us now so that we can embody your promise. This world, our neighbors, this community, our family needs to see promise living in us. So Lord, we, we claim rest in your faithfulness as that we sang. Bring us that rest in your faithfulness today, Father. We pray in the name of your Son. Amen.